0: Hello, this is Kevin Smith from the BBC Gardeners World magazine podcast. If you love all things gardening, join us at BBC Gardeners World Live from the 13th to the 16th of June at Birmingham's NEC. Find out more at bbcgardenersworldlive.com. See you there. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Hello, and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. Have you tuned into birdsong more in the past year than ever before? Perhaps you're noticing more birds or simply hearing them more. It's nature's great spring soundtrack. But why do birds sing? Hello, I'm Kate, Wildlife Editor of Gardener's World magazine, and welcome to this week's episode where I'm talking to urban birder David Lindo about the power of bird song. David is a fantastic naturalist and birder and author of several books. A bird watcher since childhood, he's grown up hearing and learning these songs, not only in the countryside but in and around the streets of London. He tells me why he's so emotionally connected to the birds around him. But first, I asked him how Birdsong had helped him through a pretty tough lockdown that he was forced to sit out in
1: Spain. So initially it was a bit of, oh, this is quite exciting, you know. Actually, it's a great opportunity to to read a couple of books and do some work and stuff. But then obviously things began to kick in when you realised that you couldn't go out to exercise only to the local shop and that was it. And I felt fairly nervous. A, obviously every, everyone did, I suppose, because of the virus. It was a bit of an unknown quantity then. And on top of that, I was a bit afraid of the of stepping out of line with the police, you know, because I knew that the police are much more heavy-handed than they are in the UK. So um, it began to bite after a while, you know, being in the same place. And luckily I've got a fairly large apartment on two stories and plus I have uh, uh, sun terrace as well. So, so what I, my day used to be, um, sitting on the sun terrace for an hour or two every day. I made sure I did that. And in the morning I, I actually started doing yoga as well. I hate yoga, but I had to do it cause t- <laughs> to, to stretch things. Um, and, uh, yeah. And in, it, it was March. So there wasn't too much singing at, at at that time, maybe a few um, spotless starlings, which are the sort of southern Mediterranean counterpart to our starling. Um, They look similar, but spotless is actually a good name because they're not as spotty looking as our starlings. And they're slightly bigger. They look slightly shaggier, in their plumage, and a little bit more of a purplish, oily kind of uh, iridescence, which is different to the greeny, bottle greeny, um, styling that we have and the, the song is a bit more simplistic but they also mimic a lot of things. So anyway I, I would get up in the mornings and sit and part of the thing I was doing is just seeing what flew over just to you know occupy my mind and get myself a dose of nature. My um, Sun terrace basically overlooks uh, other rooftops, chimneys and aerials. Not, not a liquor green anywhere. And on top of that, I only had about 45% sky views visible. So I didn't have a great vista. And it was interesting because at first I was sitting in the mornings and I'd hear a Starling that would sit on uh, one of the um, aerials near to me. And I got to know this Starling quite intimately. I, I knew his song. He'd imitate red leg partridge. He'd imitate a heron now and again, making a frank, <laughs> frank noise as well. And I saw this, I watched this starling, you know, set up his territory. I watched him attract several females. I watched him have sex. And I eventually watched him feeding his family, bringing his family back. So it was a whole cycle I watched over the period of time. But as the lockdown went on, um, it was amazing in the mornings, especially, I remember once leaving my phone out overnight because I wanted to hear if any birds were flying over overnight. I remember waking up one morning, uh, I went upstairs, it's five in the morning, it was still fairly dark, and there was about 15 blackbirds all singing at once. And it was like, oh, it was, it was incredible that all of them singing together at the same time but singing slightly different songs, so they're all competing against each other. And it was so atmospheric, it was like being in some weird jungle with just blackbirds in it. Um uh, That's one of the sounds that I will always remember from that period. But then during the course of spring, i.e. around right about now into May, a load more birds were singing, serins, uh, who make us... Serins are Europe's smallest finch. So imagine a sparrow. They're probably a third smaller than sparrow. They're, they're quite small. Um, and uh, the males are yellow with... Uh, dark streaks and I got a yellow rump. And I had this sort of this song that sounds like a tiny coin being dropped and spinning. You know, or, or you know, when it sort of does that thing on the on the table, when it makes that, that that quivering, spinning noise. So it's a bit like that. And then I was hearing um, green finches and even house martins. I've got several house martins nesting on my balcony, and they sing. People don't actually realise that house martins sing, but I have this sort of chattering little song they do from the nest. So I was hearing all these things and I'll be working in my office and i have the window open and I'll sometimes hear these serins and sparrows as if they're inside the room with me. It was incredible, the, the noise that, and I wouldn't even say noise because that sounds like a negative thing. It was a beautiful sound that really kind of lifted me. Yeah, I think the, the the sounds and the sights of birds really helped me through this period. Even though I tried to be very positive and I actually did things that I had in my mind for years, I thought, right, I'm going to, I could do one of two things. I can either sink or swim. So I'm swimming. So I, I did a lot of stuff that i have been thinking about for years. I put them into action and it became a very positive time, but it still was hard. And I remember hitting the wall a couple of times because I, I did a daily kind of, Uh, video, which I put on social media, just talking about how I felt or what was being seen by, you know, on my roof. And then on the day of our release, in inverted commas, when we were allowed to go for a walk, I remember standing by the front door, feeling nervous, apprehensive. It was six. We were allowed to walk from six in the morning and it was like 10 to six. I stood there for 10 minutes, just staring at the door, feeling so scared. I was. I felt agoraphobic almost. And then Six o'clock came and I I kind of ventured out and it was still half dark, and I heard the song of a, a bird called a red necked nightjar. Um, mm. We have the European nightjar here, which has that familiar well for some people that familiar chirring song.
0: Yeah, Whereas beautiful
1: sound. It is yeah. Whereas the uh, red necked nightjar makes a different sound. It's just, it's, like, it's just like that the whole time, and I and I heard one. I was thinking you know, I couldn't believe it because I've not heard one singing in Spain for two years and then suddenly I heard one and then I heard a Golden Oriole which is one of my favourite bird songs. It's got this beautiful warble whistle which sounds tropical um, and it always brings up the hairs in the back of my neck even though they are fairly common down there. They used to breed yeah. in Britain um, but the last pair um, were in Lake and Heath in Suffolk and um, And they died out, I think, back in the late 90s or maybe even, yeah, early 90s. I remember going to see them. They're now just a rare or very scarce migrant passing through. They don't breed here anymore. And then I went on this mega walk. You're only supposed to be allowed out for one hour. I walked for four and a half hours. (laughs) <laughs> i just kept walking it's like you know and i i walked to the edge of the city and i came across this brook and there was this sort of meadow this wet meadow and belting out this meadow were two three meadow um Nightingales singing oh uh-huh. and night- which is
0: just the most beautiful song it is it
1: is it is i mean and that was the first time i heard nightingale that year and the sun was rising and it was such a beautiful it was so i mean i'll never forget it. i felt like i was in heaven um, the only problem I had was that I hadn't walked anywhere for three months. And no one said, no one warned me. There's no warning that comes with lockdowns, um, complete lockdowns. But you need to stretch and exercise and take your time and build it up. <laughs> and after that four and a half hour mega walk where, in which I covered 14 kilometres, you know, so I went from like a few steps a day to 14 kilometres. Um, wow. My hips seized up, seized up. My both my Achilles... <laughs> Totally. So I was was walking back like a like a plank, and I couldn't walk for a week (laughs) after that. I actually, uh, luckily, yoga came to save my life again. But um, it was a really strange time, and I'll always remember that I was sort of sort of grabbed by the scruff of my neck by nature and pulled out of this mire.
0: certainly for me in lockdown over the last year because i've spent so much time in my garden and my allotment and, and nowhere else really i've got to know the individual birds i've got to know the blackbird in the garden the blackbird on the allotment um and the robins as well the robins and they make different noises and it's it's it's, it's i think it's i think it's really special when when you can learn bird song and we'll we'll talk about learning bird song in a bit but once you once you've learned the bird song and then you get on to learning the individuals that that sing those songs it it brings you closer to to the birds themselves and actually then you start having a relationship with those individuals
1: yeah, absolutely I mean I think people don't realize, especially when they just give listening to bird a cursory listen. they think that you know every bird sounds exactly the same, and that's the problem when it comes to learning bird song in a very prescriptive way by getting an app and listening to it at night or whatever and thinking, right, that's the black, but you know, because when you hear it in real life, it's different. Um, And as you say, individuals have different notes. I remember talking about nightingales. I remember my local patch in Wormwood Scrubs, one May showing up um, there early in the morning and I heard a nightingale singing. I was like, (gasps) You know, because I always think of nightingales as being in the middle of the countryside, and it, even as an urban birder, I still have that thing in my head. <laughs> and I hear this bird singing, and 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 again, the hairs go back on my neck, and I look, and I look to my right, and there's the skyline of London, and I'm thinking, wow, this bird is singing in London, but this this particular bird st- stuck around for a week, and then it went quiet. And then a day later, there was, uh, another bird started singing. I knew it was another bird because its phrases were different. It sang, uh, it, instinctively, I knew straight away, that's different. It sounds different. I knew that there were two separate birds that were involved there. So, you, you know, once you actually get to know songs or know the rough pattern, then you can realise who is what. It's almost like, it's like a, a, if you imagine a song, a, a song that, you know, you hear in the, in, in the charts, or what have you, and it's covered by several different artists. It's the same song, but you know instinctive, instinctively, oh, that's Madonna, that's... You can tell by the different intonations, the different tones, and it's the same with birds. You know, it's, it's, it is about listening carefully and kind of hear the difference. And for me, I know you're gonna talk about this later, but for me, coming and being in Spain, I had to learn a lot of new bird songs and calls because there's certain species that I don't see in England or very rarely, and if I do see them in England, they're not singing. But even the ones that I know very well, like the the great tit and greenfinch, I'm like, or blue tit, I'm like, what was that? Because I sound (laughs) very different sometimes, you know, to make very different calls. I remember... Being in Serbia and hearing a great spotted woodpecker make a sound I've never heard before, I said to I said to my guide, "What's that?" He goes, "That's a great spotted woodpecker." What? I mean, I see them all the time. <laughs> what? So it is interesting when you you hear those different. You know the difference is not only in individuals, but also um, regionally.
0: Regions, yeah. I mean, if if you know, my my, my garden and allotment are um, about two kilometers apart, and if the birds can sound so different between those habitats, between the UK and Spain, I mean, it, it, and and then globally across the world, you know, house sparrows are pretty much across the whole of the um, of the globe you know, can, could they even communicate with each other? It's just fascinating when you sort of think about the whole, the whole world of just chattering and, and singing. And, and it's, it's language, isn't it? It's, 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 it's just beautiful evolution of language.
1: It is, because I know that I've done some research in Aberystwyth, Aberystwyth uh, University on great tits, and they found that rural great tits uh, find it very difficult to understand urban great tits' song.
0: Ah. So
1: it kind of seems as if there is some kind of evolution occurring because obviously, as we all know, or some of us know anyway, um, birds in urban areas tend to have louder voices because they need to sing yes. above the sound of the human hubbub. Even birds like dippers, um, mm. you know, who live along rivers and you kind of think of them as being in, on rivers in the middle of nowhere, but they are, they're they're nesting in places like Newcastle, Newcastle, um, you know, in the urban area on rivers, and they have to sing louder to be heard. So it's really fascinating, songs. And it's one of those things that people really struggle with, um, myself included, I have to say, because some birds you only hear during one period of the year every year. So for example, you know, when warblers show up, they sing for a couple of months, and then by June, everyone's quiet and You don't hear anything else until next year, so you only got a couple of months with them when they're really singing. And some species sound very similar. You know, there's the reed warbler and the sedge warbler. Both look quite separate, look, look quite different. I mean, the reed warbler's brown, sort of palish underneath, a typical brown job, I suppose. The sedge warbler is a little bit more intricate in its markings. It's got more streaks on it, and it's got a nice supercilium or, or, or eye stripe, as we call it. Um, but their songs are quite similar. They, they both make sort of, ch- 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 you know, sort of juttering, sort of chirpy, you know, songs. And you have to really kind of concentrate and realize who's who. You realize after a while that the sedge warbler's got more whistles and chirps, and the reed warbler's more rhythmical. You know, it's things like that. It's like you know you, you have to really sometimes concentrate and listen. The chiffchaff and the willow warbler, two very similar-looking birds to the layman or laywoman, um, uh, but they have very distinctive songs. The Chiff Chaff is named after its song. Um, mm-hmm. In German, it's called a zilpzap, Zap, but it's Aww. zap, zip, zip, zap, zip, zip, zip. So it's a bit like that, whereas the willow warblers is often romantically described as having a song that cascades like a waterfall. <laughs> you know, so it's like... <laughs> You know, I kind of mean I'm very bad at calls. Yet Aww. their contact calls are quite similar. They both go, um, which is written down phonetically as wheat, P-H-W-E-T. So it's that kind of call. I was taught by a really great bird, and ornithologist, this guy called Peter Grant, who unfortunately died in 1990. He was my he was my mentor. He said the willow warbler, when it utters its call, sounds like a question and the chif chaff sounds like a statement and you kind of ah. think oh okay so then you start listening is it monosyllabic or is it you know is it uh diasyllabic? Yeah. so you know it's, it's that kind of thing you had to get into that kind of detail
0: okay so so for our listeners um at home who who want to get into birdsong i mean where where do they start what do they do
1: well i'm not a big fan of Listening to tapes and trying to learn that way. I mean, I tried it as a kid. I remember. I mean, I'm sort of maybe showing my age, but you used to buy these magazines and you get a plastic record, a little floppy record you can put on, oh. <laughs> put on your your gramophone, and you can you can <laughs> you can hear the, the the birds. And latterly, I used to um, on my iTunes. I'm, I remember there's a film called um, the, the Big Year, and there's a scene where Jack Black. Uh, who plays the, uh, the the sort of main guy in the film um he's listening to his headphone in an office and someone says oh what are you listening to and he goes oh, I'm listening to the uh, the yellow warbler you know <laughs> basically he had all his tunes on the bird song on his headphones and not music and right. I funny enough at that time used to have music and bird song. so I'd be listening to radiohead and all of a sudden a uh, black cat will start singing you know so i was, <laughs> I'd have it like that but i found that it gives you a general gist of what things sound like, but in reality, yeah. um, there's no better way of learning than actually being out and listening and trying to then locate the author of the song, the singer. Um, mm. Because then you connect, your, your brain connects, oh, that's oh, that's a black cap, I've, oh, that's a chaffinch. You know, you can actually see the bird singing and it kind of gives you more of a connection. Because yeah. listening to tapes... I mean, Blackcap's a classic example. Blackcap is a warbler, Mm. which is um, a summer visitor to the UK, but increasingly more and more are being found in the winter, wintering here as well. They come from actually the east of Europe. They migrate west instead of going south to Africa. It's really, that's another subject for another day. (laughs) Um, They've got this really beautiful song. They used to be called the Northern Nightingale. Um, in the olden days, um, because... Ah, oh,
0: I didn't know that. Yeah,
1: they, their range goes all the way up into Scotland, whereas the nightingale, um, I suppose, has always been sort of a southern England bird, and unfortunately its range is constra- contracting quite dramatically. But anyway, it's got this beautiful song, and it's just a warble, um, beautiful. Again, that's con- that can be confused with the garden warbler, which uh, is another subject. But anyway... I'm familiar with the black cap, but then I go to Austria, I'm walking in the forest, I hear what I think is a black cap, and then at the end it goes, it sings a black cap song, and at the end it goes, and I'm thinking, what's that? And again, I talk to people and I say, oh, that's what black caps do around here. So, you know, that you can learn prescriptively to a certain degree, I think, it's so important to actually just get yourself out and listen. And when you're in a woodland in the UK, they often say that 90% of all the songs you hear, all the calls you hear, emanate from great tits.
0: Yeah, because I was, I was actually going to say on the allotment, um, there's a great tit that mimics the blackbird. And it's and I just know which one it is. It's this little joker. Who just sits in sits in this sycamore tree. and just spends all day just just winding up the blackbirds, pretending to be. And it, and it's just so funny. Once you know, because you are you, you, sort of there gardening, and suddenly you know that the this, you know like the other day my first chiffchaff came through and I was like oh first jaff, brilliant. And you know the, the 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 sort of sound just sort of gradually penetrates you and suddenly you're like oh that's not a blackbird that's a there he is. And the little Joker, and it's and yeah, it's it's this thing of you've got to you've got to take what's there in the books or in the field guides or in the on the tapes, and you've got to sort of almost take them with a pinch of salt, haven't you? Because the best thing to do is to just get out there and
1: yeah, you you got to use field guides and these things as what they are. They're just guides. They're just there as a basic guide. That there is a given to give you a bottom line, a baseline to work from. And the great tip thing is interesting because, for me, every year they seem to bring out a new song. You know, I'm thinking, what's that? Oh, oh, it's a great tip. You know, that's this year's song. So they're, they're, they're often written down as singing teacher, 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 which is their sort of baseline song, I suppose. But then they do all sorts of different things as you... It's got a huge
0: repertoire. A huge repertoire. Yeah.
1: So, um, and then there's things, there's birds that you, you think you know well, like robins, and their song... You know, it's quite melancholic. It's a whistly warble, um, scratchy warble, I suppose, um, which is familiar, even though people may not know what it is. But when you do know it, you realise what it is. But then they have calls. I mean, I remember hearing a call from a robin, which is like a long... And for years, I thought thought it was something else. And I didn't realise that robins made that sound as well. It's like a, a seep. Call, which is a contact call, which I do, which I share with several other species. You know that have similar calls.
0: Yeah, blackbirds do that. I don't yeah. they? as well. I once, I was once really confused just being out in my mom's garden, and, um, and there was this bird making this seep, seep. It was really, it was just, it was it, it, again, it was melancholic. It was, it was, you know, and you thought, oh, it's this poor little bird, is it in pain? And it was just this blackbird just sitting there, just happy as it Larry, um, just, just making this call. Like, oh. Um, and the robin, I've got, a, I've got a robin that that makes this wonderful sigh. It's like it's having a, a really bad day, and it goes, "Did do." Like it's just like this big sigh. Like, oh, life is just so hard. Did do. And uh, yeah, there's just yeah, individuals. For me, it's all about the individuals. Yeah. You learn the basics, and then and then you get to know, yeah, and they become your friends.
1: Exactly. Of course, you know why birds sing, don't you?
0: Um, to tell other birds not to interfere with their misses.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's several ways of saying that, I suppose. But basically, <laughs> <laughs> basically, it's uh, it's a territorial thing. So they use it to mark their territories to warn other males. Listen, this is my area. And also, it's a, it's a way of attracting uh, females. So, for example, nightingales. Part of the reason why they sing so vociferously at night, especially when they first arrive. Usually when when birds migrate, it's the male that arrives first to set up the territory. So basically the man comes, buys the house, you know, he puts the fence up around the picketed fence around the house, guards it with his life, and then he sings. And migrating females fly overhead and they hear these birds and they think, ah, now he hasn't got many blood parasites. His voice sounds pretty good. (laughs) He could be a good father for my chicks. I'm, I'm hanging out with him. Um, and then she goes and investigates. And obviously you've got to be in tip-top condition. And obviously, you know, if you have got blood parasites and all that sort of stuff, you're not going to sound good, you're not going to look good, and you're not going to be a good father in terms of passing on genes. So a female can judge immediately how fit for purpose a male is by his song. Now, some birds don't sing, like, for example, the woodpecker, the Great spotted Woodpecker does not sing. So its singing is when it drums on trees. So if it finds a great tree with great um, resonance and acoustics, then that sounds amazing to a female. So just imagine the woodpeckers that bang their heads against iron girders. The females (laughs) think, what? Uh, Oh, my Lord. This is a male (laughs) I need to be hanging out with because the sound is so huge (laughs) that, you know, they need to go and have a look. So, yeah. The song is a, is a, I mean, it looks, it sounds pleasant to us. You know, we love it, but actually it has a very um, important purpose. And it takes a lot of effort to sing as well. And, <clears throat> excuse me, so what birds tend to do, that's why the dawn chorus is around, really. They are active singing um, just before dawn. And then once dawn comes and, you know, the place warms up a bit and insects become more a- active, that's when they stop singing to feed. So um, it's all very important in terms of uh, advertising. But what was interesting was during lockdown uh, the last spring, and I'm sure you noticed a lot of people saying, oh, I've heard so many birds, you know. Part of the reason was because you're sitting at home and you're in your garden, what have you, and you're actually... And it's spring, yeah, yeah. And you're not normally there, so you're hearing things you don't normally hear. But what was interesting was that people were hearing more birds, and part of that reason was because there was less human noise. So you were hearing birds that you never normally heard down the road. But the other thing that someone else pointed out to me, which I thought was really fascinating, was the fact that the birds themselves were hearing more because they don't normally hear their neighbours because there's planes flying over and trains going past and people shouting off their dogs and cars. So they were singing even more vociferously, thinking, I have more competition. I have to up my game <laughs> big time, you know?
0: I hadn't considered that. That's beautiful. I mean, probably not for the birds, it was probably quite frustrating, but I love that. I love love the fact that the birds also responded to the fact that that there was less human noise and and suddenly their territories got all the more uh, fiercely protected. It's Amazing when you when you just sort of when you when you actually enter that world and you start to think about it, all the little intricacies of it are just so brilliant. And they make us feel good as well. And I think that's that's the thing I'd like to end on. Um is, is how how birds affect us, how they make us feel, and and why they make us feel that good. Because I, you know, you talk about hair standing on the back of your neck. I mean, I've almost been brought to tears by a nightingale. It's just so beautiful, and it just affects. It just gets right inside. And, I mean, you know, is there any science that explains why birds have that effect on some, if not all of us?
1: Yeah, I dare say to be honest with you, I'm not that au fait on the science side of things in that respect. I know that, you know, it does release certain chemicals in the brain uh, when you hear something or see something that you find attractive or good or you know it just enlightens it, it it lifts your heart and makes you feel happy um and that's i think one thing that's always been with us since the dawn of time the fact that birds sing and give the appearance of being carefree and give the appearance of them doing it for us you know for our sake which you know obviously isn't the case at all but there is something very magical about it and I'm very saddened by the thought of the fact that many species are declining, uh, which means that people are not hearing what other people in the past used to hear. Um, for example, five or six years ago, I did the Vote for Britain's National Bird Campaign and um, the robin one, which I wasn't happy about actually originally, but now I'm thinking actually it's a good thing because the robin really typifies what UK is all about. It's small, it's Feisty, it's territorial, it picks fights, you know, <laughs> UK. Um, but basically, um, there were birds in that sort of original long list that people voted on that I thought were part of the English, British folklore, history, culture. Birds like nightingale, as we've talked about before, the turtle dove, cuckoo, skylark, really classic birds talked about by Wordsworth and all those guys. Um, And when the votes came, none of those birds made even the top 30. Because people just don't hear them anymore. Exactly. Kids are growing up not hearing the song of the cuckoo, not knowing what a turtle dove would sound like, even if it was thrown at them. You know, they would have no idea. And that's sad because we are actually impoverished. Um, You know, our dawn choruses are actually less rich than what they used to be. And I know that personally, because I go to places like, you know, Eastern Europe and Southeastern Europe, a lot of those places um, resemble what Britain could have been like 200 years ago. And, you know, you hear corn crakes, you hear quail, you hear all these different species that are now either on the verge of extinction or in the UK or gone completely because, because partially because of our farming methods. But anyway, and they're gone. And we just don't hear them. And you think to yourself, if only, you know, if only we were like this, it it, would be so much richer. Um, But anyway, yeah, the sound of... There's nothing that beats the sound of birds. And, you know, as I said earlier, it really did help me, me sort of get through this whole pandemic. And even though I'm in the game, I listen to birds all the time anyway, it's still it still affected me, it still gave me hope, it still filled my heart with love and it still made me feel happy and it still kind of kept me from being totally depressed Um, and it's such an important thing. So as I say, when it comes to science, I'm probably not the man to talk about that, but when it comes to the emotional side of it, well, I can talk as well as any other person about that.
0: That's gorgeous.
1: Thanks for listening to the bbc gardeners world magazine podcast and for more gardening tips and inspiration why not try our new magazine subscription offer for podcast listeners at buysubscriptions.com forward slash gwpod
0: you'll also find our special offer in the podcast pages on gardenersworld.com
1: where we also share more about today's themes so if you've enjoyed this episode please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app and we'll see you next time